Welcome to the Frontline Herbalism Podcast with your host Nicole Rose from the Solidarity Apothecary. This is your place for all things plants and liberation. Let's get started. Hello, welcome back to the Frontline Herbalism Podcast. With the powers of the internet and scheduling, I'm actually sending this to you from the beach in Cornwall, hopefully. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I've pre-recorded this this little intro now and I'm having a two-week break, which is like a really huge deal for someone with very intense workaholism. So hopefully I'm having a good time and not struggling too much being away from my laptop. So this is part three of the webinar I recorded about state repression, trauma and the body. So this took place uh, back in May and was kindly hosted by the Civil Liberties Defence Centre and organised by anarchist friend and comrade Cindy Milstein um, in solidarity with the movement to stop Cop City. So yeah, this is part three and um, hopefully you've listened to the previous two parts. Um, so the first part was looking at like the repression that I went through and its effects on myself and on the movement I was part of. Um, and part two looks at trauma and the body. So we explore like what is trauma, some of the common trauma dynamics and how the body expresses distress. And yeah, a lot of these concepts were taken from my herbalism, PTSD and traumatic stress course, which um, the waiting list is in the show notes for. Um, super excited to launch it this September. <clears throat> But yeah, this um, this section is all about like collective responses to traumatic stress. So I introduced one of the frameworks um, that I talk about quite a lot in the PTSD course. Um, we explore things like solidarity against state violence, its roles. And finally, we talk about some herbs, right? Some plant allies in solidarity against state violence. And then we have a few um, questions and answers as well. So yeah, you can, like I've mentioned before, you can find the link in the show notes to the webinar where you can watch it as a video. You can download the PDFs like the PowerPoint I made um, and also access the transcript and find all the other links. So yeah, please check that out. It's free, just needs your email address. There's also, I forgot to mention, there's also a workshop I did in 2020 online about herbalism and state violence for the New York Anarchist Book Fair. Um, so yeah, you can access both of those at the same time and just kind of like binge on <laughs> herbalism and state violence related things. No, I'm just Okay, so I know it's not um, the easiest of content. I've given a content warning before, but there are kind of graphic references to heavy things around prison and repression and the body. I think it's really important listening for anyone engaged in the really um, challenging and rewarding and liberating and harrowing and stressful work of organising for social change um, in different ways and organising for liberation. Okay, um, enjoy and I will be back soon. Um, the next series of podcasts are all going to be about the Medical Self-Defense Network and I'm going to introduce that soon. I've got some really amazing interviews lined up with medics all over the world. So excited to release it, just need to do a couple more interviews and then it's finished. But for now, I hope you enjoy the series and yeah, take care. <laughs> Okay, so I'm just going to move on to like some of the collective responses to traumatic stress. Um, so yeah, in terms of um, state violence, which is like the context of this particular webinar, um, I just wanted, you know, Cindy mentioned this earlier as well, but really like the state is trying to traumatize people, you know, the language they use around our campaign was like decapitating the leadership. Um, and yeah, their aim ultimately is to like counter threats to power, right? 
um and yeah I know like, like people on this call will kind of know this stuff like but you know just stating the obvious but like the state really has the monopoly on violence and will use like all tools at their disposal to like maintain power and control um and repression like aims to dehumanize humiliate segregate isolate etc and ultimately like solidarity is like the main weapon we have to counter these state tactics um so yeah what roles do you think solidarity plays in mitigating state violence um again i kind of wish it was like participatory but um have a little think yourself um, um i just kind of listed a few here but there's obviously many many more um and one of them is that like you know rot doesn't grow where the sun shines so like shining a light on like abuse and injustice is like a kind of form of solidarity against like organized trauma you know like organized state violence um we also have like practical care so you know i think these are like the more obvious things that we do so like police station support accompanying people to court like financial support just kind of anything where we can support defendants to like regain a sense of control and agency um and feel like in general like more resourced uh like i mentioned already like distress and trauma is like worsened by uncertainty and lack of information and loss of control. Um, and yeah, political care. So, you know, like I mentioned with our case, it was like this lack of political solidarity, which was very harmful. Um, so that might look like statements of solidarity, like solidarity actions, banner drops, et cetera, et cetera. And just like pushing back on kind of liberal narratives around militancy. Um, and trying to build things like unity in legal proceedings, for example. Um, and then in terms of like emotional care, like, yeah, supporting the expression of feelings, like being a kind of, you know, accompanying someone on their journey of like distress and pain, someone knowing that they're not alone um, and having like compassion for like learned survival responses whether that is drugs or alcohol or workaholism or whatever, like having compassion to know that like if someone is going through state repression, like they are, you know, ultimately their kind of learned survival responses are going to kick in and we need to understand that and be supportive um, and not just kind of like, you know, abandon people. Um, and just like generally like supporting people to access this like parasympathetic time. So this is times where, someone may feel more safe in their body it is telling their body that they're able to digest their food to rest to repair their tissues for example um <clears throat> yeah and just like consistency like refusing to abandon our comrades supporting people to stay engaged and not disappear um <clears throat> so in my herbalism and ptsd course i kind of like developed a bit of a framework um which i'll talk through and this was really um built on the work of a friend of mine called Lisa Fannin, who has an amazing book called Warp and Weft. And she like just really goes into kind of like more like radical analysis around trauma in general. Um, I really recommend you check it out. Um, and it's also in an audiobook version, it's free online. Um, so yeah, so anyway, so these all go together and they're not linear. It's not like you rest and then you like engage in some kind of organizing right like they all kind of like spiral and it's not like once you've done one thing you never have to do it again like these are like ongoing things that you kind of continuously engage with over time um and again like the online course goes into it a lot more 
Um, but I really think like this kind of release stage is really important. So releasing trauma held like in the body in the mind, soul, and those things not being kind of separate from each other and like releasing this like stuck kind of nervous system energy and ultimately like releasing like anger and rage and different emotions. I think, you know, we live in a culture where our feelings are like generally very repressed, um, you know, where it's not actually safe to be an angry person. For example, you'll get kicked out of a group or whatever, but we're, you know, we're constantly dealing with all these huge emotions and we need to be able to like release them um, in kind of like supportive collective context. Um, so yeah, so what are some of the like, practical ways in terms of release? And again, I'm talking about these as like something an individual can do, but I also think they're all like collective things that, you know, are nourishing and strengthening when they're done with other people. Um, so yeah, I've said about expressing emotions, for example, rage on a demo, maybe it's exercise or movement, um, sweating, you know, things like saunas, uh, body work and breath work. Oh my God, excuse me, <laughs> burping on the webinar. It's because I've eaten and I'm not in parasympathetic, so I'm not digesting my food properly. Um, creative practices, for example, like art or writing or music. Um, this is like a really important way of like releasing our feelings and what's happening in our bodies. There's also these tools called uh, trauma releasing exercises, which are very, very life changing for me, whereby you kind of like tire out your own leg muscles in a way to um, like trigger shaking in the body um, and kind of like releasing of trauma that's held in our tissues. Um, and there's also tools like brain spotting and um, EDMR, eye movement desensitization and processing, whereby you're actually kind of processing traumatic memories. Um, so I would encourage you to check those out. You know, they are kind of being appropriated by things like the state um, to, you know, make, you know, people in the army who are bombing people or whatever, like be less traumatized by that. So, you know, I think take all the tools with a pinch of salt, um, counseling and talking therapies and then herbs, right? Like, so plants can also support with release of emotions like maybe it's rose or hawthorn for grief maybe it's burning herbs there's different herbs that come um, in this stage um and then I talk again there's like a whole module on this in the course but in terms of like rest and renew like there are like different types of rest you know it could be physical or social you know like having time alone away from people um but it's about having this time where we're in this more parasympathetic nervous system state where we're able to you know, digest our food properly, where we're able to relax our tense muscles. Um, and yeah, like different strategies. So sleeping, napping, gentle movement, like trash TV, uh, pleasurable touch, creativity, et cetera, et cetera, saunas. Um, and yeah, and again, as a herbalist, for me, this is all about like connecting with the land and non-humans. So if you've been someone who's gone through a lot of traumatic shit, then it might be really difficult for you to feel safe like with other people you know you might not enjoy socializing but actually being on the land is going to be like healing right um and for me, herbalism it's it's not just like taking herbs it's like the act of herbalism like harvesting medicine making um etc and then the kind of like third bit of this like wheel model is about reconnection right it's about relationships like you know ultimately we have evolved like through relationships like even though we might hate it we actually do really need people and we also need non-humans um and in my course I talk more about this uh polyvagal theory which is like a kind of theory around the nervous system 
and they have this concept of like safe and social as like a nervous system state where you know like that's what we need uh sorry um, it's okay but yeah classic example of safe and social it's like you can't get to safe and social on your own you have to get to safe and social with other people um because that's what the social part of it so it's like we need relationships in order to heal um and yeah they are absolutely like foundational for trauma recovery and like for life in general and then you know other tools that humans have developed over millennia are like rituals and ceremonies and different kind of strategies that you know are an important part of reconnection um and yeah in terms of stories like to integrate what we've been through like we really do need to share our stories with other people and there's a little picture here of a campfire um part of trauma recovery is really about tending to our wounds together right and deciding what action we can take so it's like if you've been attacked by a bear you want your village to then protect you from that bear right like you need them to take action feel moved by what you said in order to keep you safe um and you know we need also that validation and connection with others to heal um okay so like the fourth part of this little trauma response framework um so we've done um release we've done rest and renew and then we've done reconnect about relationships so the final one is really like resistance so i really like this quote um in this article which is saying um <clears throat> about this concept of trauma informed and it says just as dr king vowed to remain creatively maladjusted rather than numb as long as there was discrimination bigotry income inequality militarism and violence so might everyone reject those trauma-informed practices that leave individuals well-adjusted but inactive in face of oppression and trauma of all kinds, while the individuals and systems that give rise to trauma and oppression operate as usual. Um, and I think that's really important because it's kind of like, what is the point in healing and recovering if, you know, it's other people are just, you know, continually getting traumatized, for example. So you know, I don't want to spend like a decade trying to like navigate this PTSD and what helps and work with all these plus understand this stuff if I then can't support people also leaving prison, for example. Okay, so in this context, like about resistance, like mainstream trauma therapies, like generally want us to adapt to a world that is fundamentally traumatic. And we know that like the world needs to be radically changed. Um, and, you know, many people engaged in organized, well, I would say, destroys us and what caused our trauma so for me that might be like ending prisons for example someone else that might be you know like stopping the border regime or you know whatever like there's so many different struggles and like I said they all intersect but really like you know it is about kind of creating a world that is less traumatic um and then just like beyond resistance like it's not just about you know <laughs> fighting the good fight right like it's also about um healing and building like liberating forms of collective life um but i know like probably many people on this webinar who you know who told me they were coming and stuff like a lot of us are in like these kind of like social movements spaces and we also need to acknowledge that like movement work can also be very traumatizing like whether that is state repression or you know sexual assault or racism or you know like all these different things like are also found in our groups right and in our movements um and i've put here like organizing and workaholism can be empowering but can also be avoidance strategies for resolving pain um and maybe people saw on instagram but i put this very silly meme here with um two people kind of linking arms saying um <laughs> capitalist workaholics and anti-capitalist workaholics 
avoiding overwhelming feelings and unprocessed trauma uh, as something we have in common. But yeah, being able to organize, to work with other people, like it takes a huge amount of energy and it needs us to be able to take care of ourselves and each other, which is why I have so much gratitude for Cindy for like prioritizing this work, like making stuff like this happen. Um, Okay, so another question for people. I'll have a little sip of water and a rest, but if you have come to this webinar as someone like, engaged in some sort of political project or collective or you know whatever structure you're doing, um, yeah, how have you found that work healing? How have you found that political organizing healing? Um, and I'll just self-mute for a couple of minutes while you think about that. All right. Um, Okay. Oh, and this is the fun bit. So I just wanted to talk about herbs briefly as a herbalist who loves plants. Um, and I've mentioned a few different times like that we need relationships to recover from trauma. And those relationships can really be with plants and non-humans as well as humans. So yeah, herbalism ultimately is also based on relationships and with plants, like you are never alone. Um, you know, you can always like outside and that's really nice and comforting um and you know like I see a lot of people in clinic or whatever and they think the healing is the thing in the bottle you know that's given to them and ultimately like it's just not the case like I think the act of herbalism is what is healing right you know like whether that is identifying a new plant or foraging or making medicine or you know making tea and drinking it with friends and having that chat like all of these different things are what is healing about herbalism um and I've put here plant medicines can transform your life by enabling a deeper relationship with the land um you know which capitalism has ultimately like completely separated us from um improving sleep and digestion preventing disease reducing inflammation and aiding the nervous system to rest and recover while surviving and resisting this oppressive world. And there are many, many, many herbs that can support people through repression. Um, and I just wanted to say that um, before taking any herbs, like please just check them out, that they're safe, that they don't contraindicate with your uh, any medications you're taking, for example, um, that you're not allergic to them, that they're kind of good quality and um, kind of vibrant medicines, ideally from a local herbalist or... Um, wherever you can source them safely and yeah just to like do your homework basically before um or taking any kind of plant medicines yourself um but there are one there is kind of like one group of plants that have a particular affinity with the nervous system called nervines um and again my course just goes into these in so much detail but they have different actions so some of them are kind of relaxants so they are helping us shift into this like parasympathetic rest and digest state they're encouraging us to be less kind of activated, less hyper aroused, less hyper vigilant. Um, and yeah, um, I'm going to talk about lemon balm more in a minute. And then we might have our cardiac nervines. So these are plants that have an affinity with the cardiovascular system and the heart um, because the cardiovascular system is very impacted by chronic stress, you know, by kind of chronic inflammation from being hyperactivated in fight or flight all the time. Um, so yeah, these plants have a particular affinity with those systems. So you're thinking things like hawthorn, which is in flower here now, uh, rose and motherwort. Motherwort is really amazing for heart palpitations, um, <clears throat> and kind of like anxiety that's like causing you chest pain. Obviously chest pain is like a clinical red flag and you need to get that checked out. Um, but it's a really amazing ally. And then 
for people in the UK, there's like uh, linden flower, like lime blossom, um, which is also an amazing kind of um, antispasmodic and kind of vasodilator that can help like relax our blood vessels. Um, and then you have like your more kind of like pokey, stronger nervines, which we would call like hypnotic nervines. So these things, these are plants with a more kind of sedative effect. Um, so one of them is skullcap. Um, there is like a, there's like hundreds of, well, I think there's like 80 varieties of skullcap, um, you know, in, and it's a fantastic, like restorative to the musculoskeletal system. If you're in chronic pain due to like chronic stress, for example, um, passion flower, which is really fantastic for like racing thoughts, for hyperarousal, for anxiety, and also for sleep. And then hops is like an amazing antispasmodic that's also fantastic for sleep. And then things like wild lettuce, which are really strong for for chronic pain and for tension, for example. And again, my course goes into detail about all of these different herbs. Um, but the other amazing action of herbalism is like nervine tonics, so plants that can help us actually like rebuild and repair our nervous systems whether that's like the myelin sheath which is like the kind of fatty layer around our nerve cells um or whether that's um you know our brain health for example like there's different kind of tonic herbs that can have like ongoing long-term roles in like kind of um supporting our nervous system to recover especially after chronic stress so one of the most famous remedies is like milky oats which is um yeah really fantastic and nourishing uh, for the nervous system, vervain, which isn't safe for people who are pregnant, um, but is a very, like, very, very long used traditional nerve tonic, especially in England. Um, it's considered a very, very sacred herb. And then St. John's wort, which also has a lot of contraindications with people taking medication, but it's a fantastic herb for the liver, um, really amazing antiviral, and is also, you know, been shown to be very clinically effective in lots of people. Um, in terms of um, supporting people with like hepatic depression, kind of like liver depression. Um, and then betony is another wonderful um, nerving tonic as well. I'm so sorry to not go into more details about them, but it's quarter past nine already. So um, yeah, so I mentioned hawthorn, but um, hawthorn is one of the herbs I use in a blend called Brave Heart Blend, which combines hawthorn, rose and lemon balm to give to defendants experiencing state repression. Um, it's amazing for inflamed blood vessels for people with high blood pressure due to stress, also for people with low blood pressure. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and it's in flower now. It's full of antioxidants. It's very nourishing and toning. Um, and yeah, definitely. It's like, you know, again, also very safe. Um, and rose, as you can see from all of my shit all over the internet, I'm obsessed with roses. But these herbs have such an amazing medicine for the grief, uh, for people who are grieving, for people who, you know, cope with holding a lot of the harm in the world and witnessing suffering for example um it's one of the herds featured in my prisoner's herbal book um and yeah i make rose petal glycerate every summer i make rose tincture i add rose petals to tea blends it's a really fantastic accessible herb and you can also get rose hips which are highly nutritive um huge amounts of vitamin c and antioxidants which are really helpful in times of chronic stress and yeah lemon balm um, it's part of the mint family and the mint family have huge amounts of um, affinity with the nervous system in general. Um, it's, yeah, really great um, in terms of um, hypothyroidism. It's really wonderful in terms of just supporting people to get into this more like restful, parasympathetic state. Um, and it's like a herb you can kind of take through the day, if that makes sense. Like it's not going to knock you out so you can't drive, but it's going to have this kind of 
effect on this like background noise I call it in terms of anxiety and yeah I've mentioned lavender already but really 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 underestimated amazing herb I infuse it with um I use dried lavender like ratio one to seven with um organic olive oil I get olive oil from Palestine um and it means that you don't have to worry about people like consuming it internally but they can have um like an oil which can help them with sleep and stress and also oil is like really needed and craved by our nervous system like our nervous system needs oil and fat to function so okay that's it on the herbs I just wanted to um yeah mention about the course I do this herbalism PTSD and traumatic stress course twice a year in March and October and the next opening is in October and you can sign up for a waiting list on my web on my website for that um it's like sliding scale like no one turned away for lack of funds um and yeah, it's kind of like 60 lessons all about like a deep dive into the nervous system, into our bodies, into how stress like creates chronic disease. Um, I've also got a monthly newsletter. Um, and yeah, I just encourage people if you've got like the <laughs> financial resources to distribute, then donations are really welcome. Um, I use money to get books, um, prisoners, herbal books to prisoners around the world. Also send these herbal medicine packs to different people experiencing repression um and yeah so everything that i do is on this solidarity apothecary.org website um sorry for running over a little bit i guess now is the um questions um and i think harva's gonna facilitate that right <laughs> yes harva if you don't if you don't mind although i could read the first question that's in the um, q a and then maybe um maybe we'll try to do about 10 minutes and then wrap up because um keep it Keep it. Uh, so if anyone has questions now, type them into the Q&A would be great. And I will read the first one, the, the one that is in there already. Um, someone asked, how best can you discern when someone has experienced trauma that needs more gentle versus active approaches? And does that relate how recently trauma occurred or does it vary by individual timing, trauma and so on? Um, yeah, that's really interesting question. And I think it actually, um, responds to something I heard once, which is like, the slower you go, the faster you get there. Like in the sense of like, actually anyone recovering from trauma generally needs things to go slowly, to be gentle. And that is part of learning how to live at a kind of different tempo, if that makes sense. So it might be that counseling needs to go very slowly or introduce a new plan into your diet needs to happen very slowly because there is this real tendency for big changes to cause um, people to kind of re-enter a state of like high activation. Um, so I think in all cases, there is like gentleness, if that makes sense. Um, I'm not sure if that answers the question. Um, but yeah, and I think also like the person that will hopefully know what they need right is the person so always that person having as much agency and power to express like the care that they need you know it might be that someone is like you know what I don't want to talk to comrades about my feelings like I'm just not up for it but they would willingly accept a donation so that they could then go and see like a confidential counselor to get like support for their emotional needs in a way that works for them so I just think always centering that person and what they need and what suits them. And I know it's hard for people to know what they need often. Um, but yeah, I just would say gentle, 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 slow, slow, slow. And that person having as much power and control over the process as possible. 
Um, um, that was great, Nicole. Uh, this next question, I'll split it into two questions. Um, from, it says, hi, Nicole, thank you so much for sharing all this with us. I wanted to ask if you could please elaborate on some of the specific legislation that the British state was enacting to suppress your movement. You mentioned this in one of your early slides. Yeah, um, so um, they brought in new parts of this uh, SOCPA Act, the Serious Organized Crime and Policing Act, which actually made it specifically illegal to target um, an animal research company or anyone connected to an animal research company. Um, yeah, I can like definitely dig up resources on that. Um, I can't remember much about it on the top of my head other than it was like specifically targeting vivisection. And it also reminded me that I forgot to name that like the Shack campaign was also active in the so-called United States and also experienced heavy repression as part of this kind of green scare, like broader repression of like earth and animal liberation movements. And like several people went to prison in the US um, as well as in the UK. And it was kind of like similar timescales. Um, and shall I read the, the second bit of the question? Um, I'm happy to read it if it, if that's helpful or you're oh, yeah, that would be great. Okay. Um, it says, I also wanted to ask, what are your thoughts on the concept of resilience? I feel like it can become so fetishized as a means of pretending as though trauma hasn't actually affected us or as though we're quote, handling it, even when that can be far from the Oh yeah, I love that. Like I think I think I was also there once in terms of like, yeah, like you said, like fetishizing that word. Um, I think I even wrote an article in the ALF supporters group newsletter about resilience to repression. Um and yeah, I think I also agree and have shifted to a perspective that it's like actually quite kind of like, yeah, almost like just quite gnarly in terms of the ableism, right? Of someone being able to express a certain amount of distress and someone else not expressing distress in quite the same way but one of them being pathologized or like labeled as like not coping and the other one like like being labeled as like really strong or whatever um so yeah I completely agree with like the critiques of it um and yeah I'm aware there's like other questions so I might just leave that one there but I think yeah I think it's kind of I think like all of this language like trauma-informed like this stuff it's just getting used like to the point or like mindfulness like it's just you know being appropriated by capitalism to the point that it just doesn't feel meaningful anymore um yeah um a couple of questions more specifically about herbs one of them was it says thank you so much for all of your love and labor a clarifying question the olive oil and lavender mixture can it be ingested or is it for topical use um, yeah, it's generally, it's not, it wouldn't really harm you. I don't think you'd like eating it, but it's generally for, um, for topical use because it's like a way of getting the oil like into your, into your uh, nervous system. Um, um, another quick one is have you found some, or maybe it's not quick. <laughs> have you found some herbs or plants that are harmful or reduce abilities to heal trauma? Ooh. Um, I mean, I think that every medicinal plant has like its own kind of signature, which is like 
indicated for different people, whether that's like someone with a different, with a kind of constitution um, or whether that's someone with like a spiritual affinity with a plant or an ancestral affinity with a plant. But I do think there are certain herbs in popular culture, which are like kind of glorified, like inappropriately from their traditional context. So for example, um, something like rhodiola or ashwagandha or these kind of adaptogens, they're often like extremely stimulating. And I personally think giving stimulants to someone who's already like hyper aroused is just like not a good idea. Um, but, you know, like some herbs also have these like restorative tonic effects. And if they're taken in a certain way in blends or in powders or with other herbs, then that can be mitigated. But I think like, um, yeah, I think for me and my PTSD, like having these like very strong, excuse me, like stimulating adaptogenic herbs have definitely been contraindicated. Um, I also think sometimes some of the like sedative kind of hypnotic nervines can also not be appropriate. For example, if someone's experienced trauma while being sedated, for example, I'm not going to like name horrible examples, but I think people can probably imagine situations like that. Um, then yeah, having a herb that recreates that feeling is also not safe for that person in that particular moment in time. So yeah, that's why things like dosage is really important. Um, and yeah, but generally I think, yeah, I'd, again, I would just encourage like intimacy with plants, like just finding out about them and their, their traditional context and their lineages and their medicinal properties and yeah, whether they're kind of right for you and your constitution. Like I run very hot and dry, for example, so very heating herbs just aren't great for me. Um, whereas other people might run very cold and they absolutely adore and need like warming herbs and spices, for example. So, yeah, but the herbalism PTSD course like goes into the stuff in quite a lot of detail. Um, yeah. Well, there was a question about the um, course that you offer. If someone was interested in the course, but wasn't able to get into the course or attend it at the time that it was available. Do you have any other herbalists or organizations that are doing similar work that you would recommend to people? Um, yeah, like I think, I think there are like, um, I'm trying to think there's someone called Bruno Warshaw who talks, who teaches about polyvagal herbalism and trauma. He's got really, uh, great politics and, um are a really good like clinical practitioner um I'm trying to sorry I'm trying to think maybe when I put the video up I'll put some links because I just can't think off the top of my head because my brain's a bit fried um, but yeah I'm really sorry about the course having to be closed because it's not ideal but it's just it's just for me really because I just have such overwhelming amounts of admin when launching the course that I kind of need to like structure that for myself um twice a year so um, yeah, but I'll that put a lot of sense. Um, maybe we have time for these last two questions here. Um, one of the questions you could speak to about the UK specifically, it's certainly different in different places, uh, with different prisons, but the question was, how do you send herbal care packages to friends who are in prison? And how do you avoid them being confiscated? Does using an organization make it seem more legitimate? Um, in the US, I think the sending an herbal care package almost universally would not be permitted across the state and federal prisons. However, there might be other 
means through an organization that people could access that kind of care potentially, but curious in the UK, what the rules are. Yeah, for that. It's, it's an absolute no-go here as well. Like I would love it. Like I would be, I would be inundated if we could send care packages to people in prison, but the packages I send are like to defendants and prisoner families who are on the outside. Um, and it's part of why I wrote the prisoners herbal book is like, I wanted a way to support people in prison to like access plants, to work with them in creative, like low tech ways. Um, because yeah, it's just, it's also just not possible for us either. Um, and yeah, maybe I'll pick up this other question or these other two questions. Cause you said that they were the last ones, but, um, yeah, there's a question. What kinds of rituals do you try when engaging with herbs for the community on addressing trauma and revolutionary healing? Um, yeah, I guess I, I kind of like don't, if that makes like, I'm not, I'm not, I mean, I am quite witchy, but I don't really do. I don't really like hold space like that, like energetically for people, if that makes sense. However, I know there's lots of beautiful herbalists that do. Um, and again, I'll try and put them in the resources section. Um, yeah. And in turn, and the other question was, I was wondering if you had any tips on working through the grief and pain of being abandoned by comrades in political organizing because of the reaction to trauma and pain was too difficult for others to handle. Um, oh, I wish I had an answer to this. If I'm honest, like the people who left me to get through that prison sentence on my own, it still causes me pain. It still makes me not trust them now, like 10 years later. Like I think, yeah, I think it's really difficult. And I think I've tried to put my energy on working with people who I know I can trust, who I know will be by my side when I need them. And that's kind of earned over time. Um, but I also have been trying to get to a place of like forgiveness of, um, yeah, of people who've maybe let me down or others down and just trying to like set a better example of like refusing to abandon my own friends in prison, for example. Um, but yeah, I think, I think like trying again to like break through the machismo, like in our scenes of actually being able to talk about our feelings, like in a structured way. And I know movements like the Kurdish freedom movement, for example, have like tech moves, like they have infrastructure in order to kind of critique other people. And I think sometimes that's missing in our collectives. Like we're not able to say in a meeting, hey, you lunched me at a event and it meant that I was like super triggered and alone and it fucking sucked. Do you know what I mean? Like I think we need to be able to give each other that feedback more um, and people need to be able to like receive feedback more. Um, but yeah, I think the inevitability of feeling abandoned because you're like too much for someone, quote unquote, or your distress is too unbearable for people to witness. I think that is just a really broad cultural problem, right? Within capitalism and how individualized we are and how excluded people are like when they're in distress, you know, like how they're pushed to the margins, for example. So I think it is like a much bigger picture question, but I'm really grateful that you asked it. Um, Check. Thanks. Thanks, Nicole. I will wrap up now and I really want to appreciate everyone who um, shared the space and everyone who's going to listen later because it um, there's so much that's hard about what you said and then there's so much that's so beautiful and a lot of, I don't think I'm alone in just saying I am so grateful for um, how much I learned and how much validation you offer and support and um, really appreciate the work you do and you being here today. Thank you so much.
Oh, no, thank you. And I will do my best to um, put everything onto internet in the coming weeks. Um, Great. And I'll just, I'll just, because people keep asking, um, in about a week or so, once someone voluntarily cleans up this recording, um, it can be available on um, Solidarity Apothecary website and also the CLDC website. And we'll share it on different signal threads for um, folks that are currently um, facing state repression through the um, Stop Cop City movement circles. And so thanks again. Thank you both so much. Have a wonderful night. And thanks everybody who tuned in. Thanks so much for listening to the Frontline Herbalism podcast. You can find the transcript, the links, all the resources from the show at solidarityapothecary.org forward slash podcast.